0: These are false clouds. These are false clouds. (laughs) Damn it. Right. I feel like i have been put on spot. Yeah, you have. We should have. We should have done it the different way. I know. 294. They realize it's only six more episodes till 300. We should probably do something for 300. You know what? I've seen that approaching and we we haven't really even talked about it. So glad you mentioned that. But yeah. I know. 300, wow. Of course, celebrating 300 episodes is probably just an ego stroke for you and I. But Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? That's 300 episodes of hours of content that we've created and just hours of our thoughts being out in the ether, good or bad, or both, or all. Yeah. I
1: certainly would have never thought that we'd even hit 10. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a bit of a pipe dream back then, wasn't it? Just a... To start recording and see what comes out of it yeah i will say though that we did beat the prediction of only six episodes being published this year i think we're at seven or eight now is that it yeah god we're terrible well you've been on vacation i've been sick you've been sick we've just had all kinds of or you've been at conferences or just all kinds of things that have been that's true yeah. well what do we want to start with today john uh, I saw you had a survey. I did a JetBrain survey uh, last week, I think. So I'm waiting for the results of that to come back in. They're supposed to email me when those are in. So that had some interesting questions that I'm hoping to see. The Okay. I just, you're talking about this stack overflow. Well, I, I saw right. that you pushed the stack overflow, but I also tangentially took a JetBrains okay. one. And the interesting thing about the JetBrains one is you can opt in to get feedback um, on how you compared to everyone else or something like that. Oh, okay. Yep. So I answered a few more extra questions and hopefully we'll see how I compare to everyone else in terms of the JetBrains community. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, JetBrains is suffering from uh inflation as well, because they just announced a price hike on their subscription services. Everything is saved. I think it's like twenty, twenty, thirty dollars extra on certain certain products or something.
1: So I've I've always bragged because not brag, just been happy about the fact that we've always had cheap electricity in Texas. Mm. Um but I noticed I just got my, I guess it would have been my June. No. Yeah. My June bill for the month of June. And it was, you know, pretty high. I think it was like $460. It's pretty high, pretty high. And, uh, so I'm looking at the bill and I noticed it. it doesn't, it doesn't break down for you what you're paying per kilowatt hour, Mm -hmm. but you can do the math. Right. and, and i i've always said i feel like forever forever and ever we paid around 10 or 11 cents per kilowatt hour um but i went back out so i went back two years so same month june about two years ago did the math and we paid nine right at nine cents per kilowatt hour which for anyone for everyone listening if you know what you pay for kilowatt hour you're probably like oh wow you guys do have cheap electricity which is great you know um But my most recent bill, it's up to 14.4 cents we're paying now per kilowatt hour, which is a 60% increase from two years ago. Now, what I did, I didn't look at any intervening time. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that price increase has all been like in the past, like six months or a year. Um, But from two years ago, it's up 60%. Um, Two years ago, weren't you in a different house? No. Oh, you've already been there for a while. Yep, two and a half years ago I was, but... I was going to say it costs more money to, to cool your new big house. <laughs> I don't think this house is any bigger than our last house, though. Um, it probably has newer air conditioners, though. I mean, well, it definitely has newer air conditioners, so... Yeah, you
0: got two floors, so you have two two condenser units outside, yeah. Yeah. I think we were supposed to have three, but we only mm-hmm. have two. Depends on how
1: beefy they are. Yeah, and how much they want to split it into zones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this bill was four sixty, and the, my bill, the the two year ago bill was two like two sixty. So, I wonder if Salesforce rates have gone up with inflation as well. <laughs> they probably. I don't. I mean, every, it, it, you, you can't avoid it. No one can avoid this.
0: This inflation. No, I just dropped a hundred bucks on gas because I've been avoiding putting gas in my car. So I got it down to like half a quarter of a tank or something.
1: So I went to the fireworks stand. We just had uh, we just celebrated Independence Day in the in the United States, which uh, is on July Fourth every year. And you know, it was it was requested that I go to the fireworks stand and get some just some like little stuff. So I went to the fireworks stand and I got two packs of sparklers. There were six. Now they were the lo- these long sparklers. They're like this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Six eight, six in each pack. So I got twelve sparklers. Six Roman candles. Which are the you know the Roman candles, right? It's like a stick about this yeah. long. You hold it and it shoots like eight just little yeah. fireballs in the air. It's when everyone injures themselves with playing, uh, yeah, playing shooting. Oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Um. What else I get? Th- three like little smoke bombs about this big, and then a dog that poops. What? <laughs> it's almost like you know the remember the snakes. Uh huh. It's like it's like a it's like a little dog, but it's got like it you know. He light in and it looks like it poops. <laughs> just a little thing, and and that thing that lasted like five seconds. Yeah, that was a long. Whatever, thing I just mentioned, hundred ten dollars. Yeah, believe it. Hundred and ten dollars for a few sparklers, half a dozen Roman candles, mm-hmm. and a three little smoke bombs,
0: and the and the pooping dog. They gotta make their money like once a year, like I know. I mean, well, there's, there's only a handful of times where people are enthusiastic about fireworks and.
1: I think if I would have driven further out into the country, like the, I think the fireworks get way cheaper.
0: Yeah, but then you got to consider your gas cost.
1: It just balances out. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> okay, um, let's get back to the survey. This is interesting. Um, how do you learn to code? This is interesting. On, online course platforms that for people to learn coding. Udemy is the runaway winner. Really? I've never done any of these things. Um, it's Udemy. is 67%. And then... Coursera thirty five percent, Code Academy, twenty-six percent, plural site twenty-two percent other than EDX, edX? Is it edX? I don't know. Um let's see years coding professionally. Most common is one to four. The next bracket is five to nine. Where how many what's your experience uh, number of years? It's got to be in the
0: twenties, right? Is this oh professionally? So yeah, professionally, it's got to be the twenty to twenty-four, so the eight percent. Yeah, you know why? Because I'm the dumb one that stays stays a developer where everyone else has moved on into management. So I'm
1: twenty-four years, (laughs) I think, since professionally, and that puts us. There's the bracket is twenty to twenty-four years, and that's seven percent of people.
0: There's no way you're only twenty-four.
1: So I'm counting nine, starting nineteen ninety-eight. How many? That's twenty-four years, right?
0: you know, I started about the same time then. Yeah. That's it. That's interesting. since we met way after that, but still,
1: um, it's interesting roles. What's your role? Top of top role, 47% de- full stack developer. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't even know what that is. I, I, well, I believe less and less in that term. I mean, I don't know. There's been times where I've like, I'm like, oh, I kind of identify with, I identify as a full stack developer.
0: <laughs> I think I think most people are forced into being a full stack developer. Like you're kind of forced to be a jack of all trades with a master of none. I'm I'm kind of rejecting the whole. I, I'm kind of rejecting my whole career path in in being a solo developer for for so many reasons. Like I'm 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 wanting so bad to be a part of a much larger team, even though I know that's the grass is greener on the other side yeah, type situation. Right. But I'm I am so getting tired of being a solo dev. Yeah, I just feel like I'm stagnating so much. And really. I just I don't have that collaboration. I don't have that 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 conversation that I used to have when back in the old Valeris days when we we're in that mm. office building. We just just walk into each other's offices and know. talk about architecture and talk about how to do things. It was just convenient and it helps you grow. It
1: does. And there's a like I don't. know, There's a certain I don't even know what the word is like camaraderie as well or Something, yeah. Um, that's just yeah. I know that. that's a good point. Although I do get your point too that like. The grass is always greener, and mm-hmm. there's—I mean, because there, I guarantee people are listening right now that are saying, "Oh no, I'm on, I'm on Teams," and trust me, I would much <laughs> rather be solo. You know, <laughs> there's there's always pros and cons. Um, yeah. Okay, so just behind full stack is is back end forty four percent or forty three percent, and then front end huge drop down to twenty six percent.
0: Interesting, I know. Among developers, front end though, right? Developers, yeah, this yeah. Is, I think that's probably because there's so much more tooling now for. And and we've kind of split away UI from developers more and more. I was also going to say on this whole, you know, is there such thing as a full stack developer?
1: I mean, I guess there is, right? I mean, if you can do some back end and some front end, then okay, you're a full stack developer. But I mean, when you look at like the people who are like, you know, like a really good front end engineer or like a really good um, man, like you know, Java Spring, whatever, all this crazy back end stuff. I mean, it takes. You could, you could spend a constant 10 years is what, you know, and maybe you'll get to where they're at. I mean, if you're splitting your time between the front and the back end, you're just, you're just not going to be specialized. Like it's too much information to keep track of. And for a lot of like situations, that's totally fine. Like, especially if you're a solo dev or, you know, you work for like a small company and they kind of just need you to be able to do all the things. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you're never going to be great. You just, you don't, you literally don't have enough time.
0: Right. It's almost like a, it's a career path choice in a way, yeah it goes back to what I was saying about kind of my my career choices and and some of that
1: I also think one thing that drives this thing that everyone's a full stack developer nowadays is the way this is the lazy short circuit hiring that people do yeah and
0: uh, and they you know t- you gotta check all these boxes well, and sure. they want they want that one hero who can who they can pay that one person to do it all and it's just this, review, it's not good for both sides of
1: yeah, that equation. I mean, I review lots of resumes every week, and ninety-eight percent of developer resumes are—they're just—it's so keyword-stuffed. Mm-hmm. We're all playing the SEO game. It, it kind of is. It's—it's it's like SEO in a way, yeah. because yeah, these especially these all these recruiters and um, mm-hmm. they, you know, they have these applicant tracking systems, and they load your resume into it. And then, you know, they, because they want everyone in their database so that when they're, you know, when they get an order from a client to, you know, to, to hire someone that, you know, for X role, they can search their database. And when, and everyone knows, like when they go to search the database, you better have all, the, all those keywords are searching for in your resume. Yeah. And it's just, it's terrible. It's made hiring and recruiting just terrible. Uh, so, what's, I'll just keep going on the list here. So, developer of desktop or enterprise applications. So, desktop developers, 16%. Mobile, 12%. DevOps specialist, 10%. I'm going to have to go on... i got to. I got to think through this, but I'm really going to go on a DevOps rant at some point. We should. It has so <clears throat> lost its meaning, and the... The reason, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't mean anything anymore that we've lost it. We've completely lost it. And then when you, when you come up with a product and call it a DevOps X, Y, Z, or a DevOps center or a DevOps, this or that, it's like DevOps is not a product. It's not even a feature. It's none of this stuff. We have completely ruined it. Yeah, I mean, at least we've, we've ruined the ability to communicate about it. And we've, we've ruined the ability for people to like, especially people that are like new to the concept or new to the, to the scene or whatever. It's like, they're going to, they're never going to have, if you weren't following kind of like 10 years ago, when I forget who coined the term, but like what the concepts were and what the because it's all really, it's all, it's actually more of a cultural thing than anything else. It's a Mm -hmm. cultural thing. Yeah. I remember
0: talking but, of about course, this a the year. vendors
1: get in and they they productize it, they they yep. uh, monetize it, they featureize it. Yep. And, that, and now, I mean, it, again, if you weren't following the conversations 10 years ago, or, or I'd say maybe at least five years ago, you it's going to be, your brain
0: is going to be so tainted by just misinformation about what DevOps is. Or, or how you... How you even get started in it? I mean, I remember ranting about this almost a year, maybe two years ago, when the term when when people started hiring specifically for DevOps specialists, and and it, it seemed like the just hiring this person was just going to solve all their software problems, all their problems in 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 IT and everything that this was just going to it was just the, the golden the golden bullet that was going to solve it all, without understanding the cultural impact of what what it actually well, meant from from a cultural perspective. Now, at least hiring somebody at the at, can do that work to kind of help change the culture and establish a culture. But you're right. It got much worse with now they're developing tools for it. And it ties right back into the hiring thing we were just talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. If, (laughs) if you're like a system admin or like a system hardware engineer or whatever, or you're, um, yeah, let's say you're some kind of hardware or it infrastructure engineer. Mm -hmm. What title do you pretty much need to put on your resume now? If you want to get hired anywhere. No, I'm sure DevOps some, engineer. Develops, you, yeah. yeah, we've just
0: DevOps or data analysts. It's, we've <laughs> DevOps washed everything. But that's not to say that it didn't provide some good things. Like, I mean, getting rid of chain sets in favor of of a new tool is, is definitely a plus. See, but you're doing it now. You're talking about it like it's a product. It's no, not what, a product. what I'm saying is that what Salesforce have invested the time and money into some into improving chain sets if they couldn't brand it and and market it. No, oh. we wouldn't have DevOps if it wasn't a buzzword, just like we wouldn't wait, have wait, wait, okay. blockchain if it wasn't Hang a buzzword, we wouldn't have NFT if it wasn't a buzzword, we wouldn't have. Are you talking about the concepts I'm talking or, about the the clouds, or the cloud or the products? Okay.
1: And and this is and I'll just pick on you here. But this is my other big rant about DevOps. And I, this is a request to the entire Salesforce community. <laughs> Please don't call Salesforce's new product. They've got this DevOps center. Do not shorten that to calling it DevOps. Mm. It's already happening everywhere. I see people calling it DevOps. Yeah. Don't call it DevOps. Words have meaning. Words have meaning. Do not call that thing DevOps. It's not DevOps. It's actually the name of its DevOps center, which that, and it, and you know what? I don't like that name, but that's okay. Cause it will get rebranded at some point. We all know that, but don't call it DevOps please. Because that really just uh, perpetuates this misunderstanding of what DevOps is. DevOps is about culture and responsibility sharing. It's it's not a thing. It's not a product you can buy. you don't do DevOps. Oh yeah, we're doing DevOps. Well really <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me DevOps that for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's we have to consult our DevOps, our DevOps committee. Uh <laughs> <laughs> all right um oh student is nine percent i guess okay i guess these okay i gotta remember that this survey was not just a you know working developers it's also students anyway wow there's, there's a really a long tail educator a oh, blockchain is a role you're a blockchain now hey, what do you do here oh, i do blockchain yeah <laughs> i do devops <laughs> i wonder if that's in here actually uh, it's not no
0: anyway can you be an nft
1: <laughs> okay this is this is sad um how old are you okay 5% under 18 years old 23% 18 to 24 40% 25 to 34 20% 35 to 44 now we're down to the long tail and we haven't gotten to my age bracket yet (laughs) now we're to the olds 45 to 54 is seven percent and then i'm still younger than you and then i know you are you're in the you're in 44 so right yeah (laughs) and then you got a birthday coming up yeah and then 55 and up is basically all those categories combined like four percent so i'm definitely i'm like i mean y'all are about to like you know put me out to pasture at this you know but going by this chart yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Okay, so they also, this is really interesting. They they do, what uh, I guess, I, I don't know if it's considered like demographic or whatever, like gender and what race you are and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is really interesting because, I mean, I always uh, find these discussions about DEI and stuff and, uh, interesting because, and really the challenges there is if you're trying to, you know, have a diverse workforce, which I think, you know, most companies, most people, you know, are... are <laughs> You know, either interested in that, or, or or onto the scale of like they're so into it that like they literally won't they won't fill spots mm-hmm. like important open spots mm-hmm. if they can't do it with a diverse hire a diversity hire, right? But here's how my guess, my point is here's how challenging this is. And of course, and, and this is keep in mind this is just people who respond to the Stack Overflow Developer Survey. That being said, it's probably the most because their audience is so widespread, so across the board and yeah. broad that it's it's got to be the best survey there is. I mean,
0: as far as I know, can you think of one that would be better? Just maybe that has I, a, maybe a GitHub survey, but that's probably the only second closest to something that all developers probably have touched at some point. In yeah, life. I my guess is GitHub's not even close to Stack Overflow though. Probably
1: not, because I know a lot of developers who. First of all, there's no developer that doesn't use Stack Overflow. Let's let's just say that it doesn't exist. Um, whereas no, I know, you can't even
0: Google something. Without I know lots the of the developers.
1: Yeah, I know lots of developers who don't touch GitHub ever and ne- like never have. They mm-hmm. just you know they don't they don't do much open source development and they've had no reason you know commercially wise for their job or whatever to to use GitHub. So they just don't use it. Okay, ninety two percent man. They call it man. Man. 92% man, 5% woman, and then like 2 or 3% of like, I don't want to say, or I'm like, uh, non-binary, genderqueer, or gender non-conforming. Okay. So we got a 92% men situation mm. in the, the developers of the world. Um, let's jump to race and ethnicity. 40% white. 38 percent european now this is interesting what is european well how is that not just white for the most part what does that even mean i don't know i'm just going to say let's add those together that puts you at 77 percent white 77 percent white now there's a lot of effort to get um black people involved in the developer community right so here you go Black, and I'm skipping way down because they're black is way down the list 1.48% so this is why it's 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 hard I mean you know if you think about what people would in their mind what would conjure the idea of like a diverse team mm-hmm. or whatever it's in this kind of space where this is what the labor pool looks like it's incredibly hard yeah Um, yeah but you know my um, I don't know my thoughts on on this whole uh, diversity thing is at least in terms of how you get more diversity I mean you can't you can't change the labor pool when you if you have open requisitions right now for job (laughs) you can't change the labor pool it's too late but what people and I, and there's a lot of this that has happened, so I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think I think there should just be so much we should really shift way more of the attention to um what you know, early childhood stuff. Which I think is happening. And get, you have to a get more coding camps. I, and I know. Like that no, I said kids. that's why I said I know people are doing it. I just think we need to keep shift even more. Like all the resources that are spent on on diversity, mm-hmm. like whatever percentage is going to the you know early childhood and you know know, and also you know i'm talking like you know five years old and up or maybe i don't know maybe that's too young seven maybe seven or eight and up right um just in areas or cities or towns or neighborhoods whatever where maybe they don't they don't get it in school Mm -hmm. or they're not encouraged or whatever um that's
0: that's where you got to do it and and it's a long game it's you know it's a long game but we're also that's also kind of feeding into statistics a little bit. I I think at that young of age, it's just about exposure. It's not about encouraging or anything like that. That's all you can do is, is, is provide exposure to something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you uh, can't just say, Hey, you're a, you're a girl. We don't have enough girl coders, so you're going to be a coder. I know, but I do think
1: if people have, I I think exposure goes a long way though. If you just expose it, make it available to them. There's going to be, more more people that are interested uh, sure. you know so and i know it's a really complex topic i mean because there's also there's just there's there's safety issue issues family issues there's all kinds of stuff that, that kind of play into these things on on why we are where we are right now but this idea of like oh we're just gonna hold the job open until we can find someone who's diverse which is which is weird to call a person diverse because that doesn't really make any sense but it's it's just you know it's just difficult i mean that you might have that position open
0: forever <laughs> <clears throat> no no that's when you start just um pirating employees and you have to you have to entice them with a with a higher salary um but then but then that puts you in danger of your your pay equality stuff because now you're paying someone specifically because you want to hire them away from somewhere else yep it's it's, it's a nasty web we're weaving it's, it's unsustainable. It doesn't make any sense. But. Yeah.
1: Okay. Programming languages. You can no surprise. JavaScript is the big winner. 65%. Um, what is the, What was the question here? Uh, it doesn't really say what the question is. Like, is it what your primary language may be? Anyway. 55% HTML and CSS. Is that is that a programming language? Well, first of all, that's mm-hmm. two different things. HTML slash CSS. Fifty five percent together. Yeah, it's a language. That's a language yeah. programming, a programming language. I okay. consider that like a markup and display language, I guess, or a set of languages, not it's a in a document formatting language. It's Maybe HTML, I CSS has functions into it. So it does. You're right. Technically, yeah, technically. Yeah. Um, SQL, forty nine percent. I mean, you just everyone has to know SQL. Do they? I mean, you kind of—it's—it's it's hard to avoid
0: having to know SQL. Well, there's a lot of tools out there trying to give it a good shot. A lot of query builder tools. Well, yeah, draggy dropy stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> Python, my wow, Python has really risen in the ranks. Forty eight percent. It's all the, um it's all the machine learning stuff. Probably. Yeah. TypeScript thirty five percent. Java thirty three percent. Holding strong there. Bash and shell twenty nine percent. C sharp twenty seven percent. Man. I'm surprised Java is still that far ahead of C sharp. I feel like C sharp is just really, I mean it's it's big and it's big in IT departments.
0: It is, and uh, I believe it's Unity that uses it as well for their scripting oh, language. Oh, okay, mm, interesting. Is that the game platform? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't remember what uh, Unreal uses.
1: Was, did Apex make Apex made the list last year? Is it not here? <sighs>
0: Wait a minute. No way. No, there's two Apexes. It did make,
1: well, that's true. Yeah, uh, Oracle has that. um, Mm -hmm. I think it's like a low code environment, actually. Apex, yeah. No, it did not make the list. I mean, the last language was Crystal at 0.48%. So Apex is under
0: that. Yeah, that's a language that I've only just heard of recently. I've, I've never heard, heard of I what it. Is. I've never heard of it. I think it's like I think it just got revved to 1.5 or something I saw, but it's not something I've looked into.
1: Ruby has really dropped us down at 6%. It's down in the long tail. Kotlin 9%. That's that's pretty good for as young as Kotlin
0: is. Already yeah. 9%. Where's Scotland? Kotlin and Rust are kind of
1: there. They're two fairly new things. Why is Kotlin above Scala, it is. Wow, Scala's only 2.6%. Kotlin's at 9. That's crazy. Objective C I is really dying. Like Colin, Objective <laughs> Swift C? is really up there. And where is Objective C? Um, down oh, down wow, sure is. Two point four percent. That's terrible. It's all Swift now. So databases, my my is still the winner, which is kind of crazy. Postgres forty four uh, is right under it. Forty four percent.
0: SQLite. Uh, SQLite is so useful. <laughs> I know. I use it all the time. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah i'll use sqlite for um, it's kind of like your notepad of databases
1: it is like if i need to do like a uh, some kind of like let's say i've got a i'm doing like a just a kind of little simple like one-time data data migration or something and i've mm-hmm. got a, you know a bunch of source files of some sort or and i need to get and I, but i need to like do some transforms and join some stuff or yeah. whatever let's load up in a sqlite database yeah i used to use intellij because you can just like yep yeah. it just makes it it's so nice so yeah. easy mongo is still up there I thought you'd lose all your data with Mongo. <laughs> uh, see there see. anything else interesting? Yeah. Where's Oracle? Oracle's really down lower than I thought. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it's it's never it's never been a super popular database in terms of just like, what developers like. But it's it's you know, in some, a lot of cases, it's the only choice for these giant. You know, it's, giant like it's mainly systems. used in data centers, and that's. Probably that, and Microsoft are mainly and, and just huge things. applications like yeah. you know where you need. I mean, there's a reason Salesforce runs on Oracle. It just it, you can't touch it in terms of enterprise features. Cloud platforms: AWS 51%, Azure 29%, Google Cloud 26%. Where's Salesforce?
0: Well, Heroku is. These are false Heroku. clouds. These are false clouds. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: yeah well heroku's on here 20 percent. i'm surprised it's um you know gosh Heroku's just taken such a beating in the in the developer w- ecosystem in the past few months
0: well people still love it for say prototyping yeah. and, and kind of first gen software stuff but I mean like, it's like I guess once the once it grows once the application grows to a certain size, they start investing in a w s and things like that yeah, I
1: think once you hit like a pretty damn big I think you have to get to a really big scale before it's like okay, it might make sense for us to like looking at going more lower in the in the stack you know and mm-hmm. just to just to you know some of it's having more control, but a lot of it's just uh, I think a financial thing. I think the economics for Heroku make a lot of sense when you're small and medium, but once you get real big, you know, the economics don't make as much sense, yeah.
0: I'm surprised about Azure though being over Google Cloud. Well, I guess Google Cloud really hasn't been ma- making much of a splash. But uh, I, I feel like Azure just kind of exists because it's Microsoft.
1: No, Azure. I think Microsoft is. In, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, they're really serious about Azure.
0: And oh, I'm sure they're serious about <clears throat> it. What I'm saying is, it's just it's the the barrier to entry for any Microsoft product is usually pretty simple because everyone already has tons of licensing with Microsoft. Don't you expect Microsoft to be Azure to be higher? Yes. There's a more separation
1: between Google Cloud and Azure. That's what you would expect. Yeah yeah. 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 I'm surprised they're that close. I thought Google was kind of a distant third, and they're not. They're right, right. on Azure's yeah. tails there. I mean, just, and again, in terms of the Stack Overflow survey. <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh, so web frameworks, uh, Node.js at the top, React. Oh, uh, tw- where's Where's the Lightning framework? There's Vue. Views at 20%. That's, that's pretty good, I think. Um, again, falsities. <laughs> don't see yeah or it's lwc man i know play framework do people still use play framework i have no idea what that is um it's a java scala web mm. framework
0: jquery still up there man jquery is my jam until it, where is jquery it's
1: oh my gosh 29
0: holy crap yeah. I haven't touched jQuery. I mean, I can. I, can, I've I don't really it, care for it nowadays, just because I I have some. I can I can do better things with with just vanilla JS. But um, and of course shadow shadow DOM manipulation, all that kind of stuff. But man, it was it was such a nice tool back in the day.
1: Okay, explain to me this next thing: other frameworks and libraries. I mean is net a framework or a library? .NET's a framework. It's the number yeah. one thing. I mean, so where's Java? Is Java if net's a
0: framework library, Java is too. I mean, I guess you got Spring there. Well no, you're thinking VMs.NET is the the web runtime framework, I believe, is what it's talking about. Uh, well the word net I think means it means it's like lightning. It means it means so many things. <laughs> a
1: million yeah. different things. Uh interesting. Hadoop, the bottom. Electron, ten percent. Flutter is up there. Wow. Doesn't Google make Flutter or is it Mozilla? I don't know. Every time I look at Flutter, I'm like, ah, this is pretty cool. But then I'm, I'm just kind of scared to, oh, well, first of all, I don't do really any, I don't do much serious UI stuff anymore. Um, but I'm also kind of scared to adopt things that I kind of want my stuff to be in like the top three of them, whatever list, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're part of the problem then. I know I'm part of the problem. Uh, oh, Docker. So other tools. NPM sixty five percent. That's where they put NPM. This is just a random collection of things. Docker sixty five percent or sixty three percent. NPM sixty five percent. Homebrew. How does Homebrew fit into those these things? Kubernetes twenty three percent. You're talking about they're all packaged Unreal Engine. Unreal like... Engine is in there. Yeah. Hey John, look at the look at the bottom of the list. Look at what we got. Flow that's not flow, the, That's not the flow, that's not, it's not Salesforce flow. No, it's not Salesforce 0.8%. Flow. <laughs> um, oh wow, look at the look at the inner IDE environments, VS Code 75 74%. Wow, so dominant! Yeah, Visual Studio 32%. That's yeah, that's that's significant too. IntelliJ 28%. Notepad plus plus.
0: <laughs> I've always said that Visual Studio was one of the better ideas IDEs ever developed. It was just so nice and so clean and so helpful. Yeah, it's a little Microsofty for me, but it is a, it is
1: it is a good product. Um, or historically
0: it has been. I haven't used it. In I haven't used it in a while either, but yeah. So same Visual Studio code. I, I guess I can see how. The jump to that was pretty pretty easy i finally people. installed vs code it was a few months ago now and man i
1: didn't look back it's just it's pretty nice yeah stop Well, it's got i mean n- almost any whatever technology you're working with has a plugin for it like camels
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, vs code plugin is great it's even better th- it's better than the intellij one unfortunately um but yeah it's got everything I'm, I'm still just, using adam
0: adam's ninety nine point thirty five percent
1: the uh, deprecated atom the discontinued that's adam. fine
0: that's fine with me i'll I'll cling to my to my atom for a while
1: yep yeah. maybe someone'll fork it and like you know start supporting again what was that um oh i remember that quicksilver like quick launcher i used to use mm-hmm. that was like the o g mac uh launcher program and, but it died, but then people someone resurrected it and- kept producing new builds of it and i just i kept going with it. <laughs> Asynchronous tools. Oh, interesting. Jira fifty percent. Trello. Wow, Trello still up there thirty four percent, thirty three percent. Microsoft Planner. What is in the world is that? What does it mean to be asynchronous? Um, just tools that like you can work on a team but asynchronously.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I
1: would assume that meant. I mean, I don't know, like why things like Slack aren't on here. Well, let's go down to synchronous tools. It's okay. Slack is considered synchronous. Zoom, fifty-six percent. Teams, fifty-six percent. Slack, fifty-three percent. Teams beats Slack.
0: I had no it's idea. You get it free with your Microsoft well, licenses. Is it, is it free? I'm, I, I'm I'm betting in order to take market share, they gave a bunch of it away free. I don't think it's like free. like if you had a Microsoft <clears throat> corporate plan, you got Teams. Look at look at how I mean,
1: Webex was the runaway leader. Now it's at Nine percent. WebEx. What was it? What about um, the one that Citrix bought? Don't know. Um, go to meeting or whatever. That's, that's just gone. That's dead. It's not even on here. Well, I'm happy to not see go to meeting. Anyway, I never had good experiences with it. Oh, dreaded. Most dreaded. This is interesting. This is an interesting graph, like the most dreaded versus
0: loved. It's a podcast, no one can see what you're looking at. I know, yeah. Well, you can talk, you can, <laughs> you
1: can uh, give your, some running commentary here.
0: No, I just mean I don't know what you're referring to.
1: Well, pe- more people dread Java than love it. Oh, that's weird. Oh, yeah. What, like, I, mean, like like I feel like, <clears throat> like I dread... I feel like there's people that are stuck on like Java over. Java 4 or something. Java's gotten so much nicer.
0: Anyway... Yeah, well, the world runs on the web now. So
1: I feel like last year, Apex made th- they made this because I think I remember seeing them in the love slash dreaded. Mm. Um, Salesforce. Man, it's just not here. No force. No force. Hmm. I mean, how's that possible? What are we up to now, John? How many how many Salesforce developers do we have? we have? It has to be well over 20 million. It has to be, right? I mean, it was 6 million, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. I forgot what the real number was that we finally got. <laughs> um did you did you you saw i'm sure you saw this post this guy created um like a month ago devops center a swing and a miss i think i did see it but i've it was i
0: have long since read and forgotten it Yeah, okay
1: i you know i, I read it um but i think it's it's a, it's a little bit of a mess
0: the article or DevOps. No, no, DevOps Center. Sorry, sorry. I know. Sorry. That's that's Whew. that's my new rule. Should have seen him. He <laughs> grabbed his mug and he was about to throw it at
1: me. <laughs> it's DevOps Center. Do not call it DevOps. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was kind of. I didn't think I was real well written, and I kind of I almost, I was I almost thought, okay, I'll just pick this thing apart. I mean, there's things I agree with in it. Uh, Now, I've also not used DevOps Center. I just, but it's just the the misunderstanding of DevOps and some of the terminology was enough that made me think, okay, yeah. And maybe it's just my interpretation of of what this person was saying, but he did have some snarky, a lot of snarkiness, too. Like, the last thing he says is, perhaps if Salesforce wasn't chasing trends such as NFT, we would see a better core product that affects all clouds. (laughs) Um, he was he was irritated that it's got tie-ins to third party like partners did you know that Mm-mm. so i guess devops center like you can pay more you can pay money and salesforce is like integrated like some of some partner services into devops center
0: oh i think that's like elements.cloud or something they have their own kind of ci stuff and yeah because they did that whole presentation alongside and that and that devops presentation at uh, Trailhead DX. I don't understand why Salesforce is doing that. I don't know. It's, it's It's not an intentional thing, I don't think. I think it was more of a... This was built on the platform. It's a managed package. You have access to all these things. So if you want to build on top of it, you can. And here's the hooks. Here's the documentation for the hooks. And that partner went ahead and just kind of built some stuff because they've already have some other tooling as well. And so they built on it and they just became a showpiece for it. That's, that's what it is. I don't think it's an intentional, we're going to go here, here and here and do this. It's still a young product that has a lot of growing to do. Yeah. But Salesforce has kind of always done that with a lot of their products, kind of relied on partner implementations to kind of expand its scope and capabilities while it's continues to grow.
1: Yep. Yeah. This, um, and I'm, I'm, I just don't, don't really want to go through this that much. But this, I thought this paragraph was interesting. I'm disappointed that the Salesforce ecosystem hasn't surfaced more about this product and the potential harm it can cause. DevOps is a tried and true practice. Mm. Hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to agree with that. And haphazardly introducing this product will cause friction between admins and engineering teams. Well, it's kind of weird because it's designed to do the exact opposite, I think, is the goal.
0: It's Indeed. to lessen the friction between
1: admins and engineers and bring admins more into the
0: to, the, yeah. to your DevOps process. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> But it is lacking in a few key areas that I think would make that much easier. Uh, primarily, just being able to create new environments from from within it.
1: Oh, it doesn't do that. Mm-mm. Really? Mm-mm. So does it doesn't spin up like a scratch org when
0: Mm-mm. you b- to make a branch. I thought that was nope. the whole point of it. Nope. I, I think it's early inception. That was the goal, but I think in order to get this GA release out, there were some things that did not make it, and that was one of them. Have you? Is, what is its status right now? Is it, is it beta? I think it just went GA. Really? Yeah, you know, like in the last couple of weeks or something like that. Okay, this it has, was it's one of those kind of like it's coming in this this release, but it's going to be delayed after the official release for a couple of weeks or a month or something like that. This
1: says the release will be in public beta this month
0: with GA this fall. I th- well, it's, well, then it's that then it's the public beta or something like that because I thought I read somewhere that it was GA. I could be wrong.
1: Okay. June. Okay. This is about June 22nd. Um, was the announcement that DevOps Center is now open beta? It's open beta. Okay.
0: Yeah. I need to check it out. I guess anyone can access it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something we all need to kind of take a look at and yeah. figure out what, way, what works and what doesn't and how best to use it in what scenarios. Um, and in fact it might it's limited functionality right now might make it prime for a kind of a, a good walk versus run into the into the the whole situation just acclimating people to the idea of source tracking and and committing changes and and pull requests and things like that
1: yeah um and i think people also need to like just hold their horses a little bit let salesforce get this first release out it's with the idea that you know and I don't know, I don't know how much they've talked about what's coming in future releases, but like, let's let them get this release out. It's not going to have everything under the sun in it. It's going to, you know, may not do everything you want, but let's see what the second release, you know, let's see what subsequent releases will bring.
0: Well, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because Salesforce wants feedback from the community, which is why they're releasing it sooner than later. Okay. At least that's what they would say. Yeah. Um so people do need to kind of go out there and use it, and kind of give them their feedback on what's working, what isn't, and what's confusing, and what is, what is, what is not confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's pretty complicated, and you can kind of really screw things up pretty easily. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's complicated without even getting into the into the difficulty of how difficult really Salesforce deployment and metadata is to deal with. It almost becomes a philosoph philosophical question at this point. Do you want a fully fledged product from Salesforce that says this is how you do it? Or do you want to have the input into this product and, and help advance it and right. grow it? Yeah. How opinionated should this product be? Should it be like
1: Jenkins where it's just wide open and you can do all these plugins and it's it's not at all opinionated about how you do anything? Mm-hmm. Or you know, is it more guided and you know you're on rails here and like there's this you know it does a very specific
0: thing supports very specific processes and the things i see do really well with salesforce are the things that are highly opinionated the things that are very limited in scope but are very easy to understand and, and pick up I, th- I see those being the most successful at salesforce just because of the 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 type of people in the ecosystem you know we there's probably a higher percentage of admins than there are developers so these types of concepts are going to be a little bit more difficult for them to kind of gravitate towards well whereas thought- if it was more simple and more just a better ui and had tracking but basically gave you change that functionality that to me is probably more accessible to, to a lot more people out there right now
1: mm. and it, you know i think it, like it's a theme of this show that like we've always talked about making things that are the more general you try to make a thing, the more difficult it is.
0: Well, the the more restricted you are, the more limited well, you, have you to. are. You, yeah, you have. I mean, Microsoft to. made a killing doing that. I mean, there's there's so many people out there who use Microsoft tools because there's a there's a UI in front of all the the bells and whistles that that oh. guides you through setting something up. By the way.
1: Can I interject with a tangent yeah. quick to uh, quick tangent? Cause I don't even remember w- the details of this, but apparently there's an initiative at Microsoft to start going more towards a kind of like Unix style configuration of things, basically mm-hmm. like text file based and away from like UIs. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I don't think it's going to do very well for them then.
1: Well, could, I wonder if they could do both like, you know, have the
0: UIs, but... But they have that today. They have a lot of CLI hooks and things that you can do. It's just you have to learn their command line tools. It's not... I just, I don't feel like... I mean, there's just like so many things in Windows, at least the Windows
1: servers that I have to deal with, that you basically have to go through the UI. And it's it's not like it's writing a, a nice text file to disk that's the result yeah, of that. You'd have to use the UIs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's what I meant by you have to use their CLIs because you have to run those command line tools that modify those internal data structures or registries or whatever that it's using as as a back end.
1: Well, yeah, because remember, as someone – and I put these people in the same category as people that invented XML. They really shouldn't be allowed to touch computers again for the rest of their life. But whoever thought it was a great idea to – back in the day when Windows adopted like this whole registry system, Mm -hmm. everything just – rolled into a giant like binary ball of goop that is inaccessible and non-versionable and yeah i mean how many rec- registry hacks and have you seen and people like you know you find something on the internet it's like oh paste this into your registry run this registry and it's like people are just doing it blindly not knowing what they're doing just hoping or whatever yeah and i'm like man if these were just like text files you could just go in and edit it just like unix does
0: yeah it yeah. doesn't have to be that hard yeah, so I—I I mean, if if the, what they're talking about is kind of moving more towards file-based kind of setting storage, and that that's a plus. So I I don't see them ever getting away from the kind of nice to have UIs because I th- I think they've they've banked on that. It's made it so accessible for so many people. Yeah. I'm also
1: curious, I because I don't know enough about Cumulus CI, and the Cumulus CI does. I know enough about it to know that it actually does a ton of stuff, and it's it is and. In some ways, it has specific functionality. Back to our kind of specific versus general, but in other ways, it's a very general purpose thing that's like really extensible and like programmable. Um, but I, I'd love to see an analysis, kind of analysis of. I want to see like the Venn diagram, of kind of like how, you know, what, uh, where DevOps Center and
0: Cumulus CI overlap, and and where they don't. Yeah, it, I guess that. I guess I, I don't really see much overlap, but I think they, I think they can feed into each other. Well, Cumulus CI does some of the stuff we were just talking about that you said DevOps Center
1: doesn't. Like, I mean, Cumulus CI will create. A, you know, you start a new feature or do something, it will create a, a branch in GitHub. It will mm-hmm. uh, create a new scratch org, and then we'll deploy that. You know, the, whatever's at the tip of that branch to into the scratch org and then someone can start working and then they can say they're done working and they
0: can, you know, it just kind of automates a lot of that. It does. And I think it just uses a lot of the hooks that are available to do that. Um, So assuming all of that, then you would hook your DevOps center to whatever environment it created. And then now whoever's doing config or admining can, can start contributing to that because it should go into the same source, Branch? Are, are you talking about like his.
1: using Cumulus CI and DevOps Center? Then I'm saying they're
0: two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: See, that's and that's the kind of the analysis I'd, I'd like to understand. Yeah. How much do they overlap? Could you use both? Does that even make any sense, or is it kind of are they mutually exclusive? I think
0: there are some quick answers to that, and some not hard, yeah, yeah. not easy yeah. answers to that. All right, John. Well, what well, I you- wanted to bring up this. Uh, this podcast i listened to and i had to re-listen to it because i had i had long since listened to it and put it in our notes and we hadn't recorded for like a couple of weeks but it was more of a high-level conversation it's on a podcast called dev interrupted with this guy mike gordon who's vp of engineering at a company called hippo and they do home insurance so they're trying to disrupt oh, home insurance yeah, I've, I've seen them. Um, and to the best of my ability what i understand what they do is they kind of merge kind of your home smart home automation in with the insurance so it's kind of like uh remember when they were making you stick uh, chips in your car for your car insurance. It's kind of uh, like that. They basically help you like they'll put in like leak sensors and cameras in your home and stuff like that to kind of help okay. yeah. drive down your mm-hmm. home insurance costs because now you've got all these monitoring things. Yeah. So it's more proactive than reactive in yep. terms of homeowners or whatever. Um. But the conversation, it's, it's more about high level. So this guy, he's like a VP of, of their of their kind of IT. They've gone through some valuations. So they've obviously continued to grow, and they've got like a billion valuation or something like that in the company. So they've got a fair amount invested in their infrastructure and things like that. It's a very technology-heavy company. Um, but it was interesting to kind of understand kind of his perspective on um, how he manages teams, how he uses metrics and things like that. It's a very easy conversation to just listen to. It doesn't get really technical. It doesn't get – advertising in any way about hippo or anything like that. It's just a conversation between, um, two guys talking about, you know, managing metrics or managing teams. So I thought it was really interesting. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, some of the things that kind of resonated with, with me were kind of like the reducing the amount of meetings and and what he what he called extreme FaceTime. Those kind of daily meetings where you try to keep track of what's going on. Mm. He's responsible for I think managing like seven different teams, and so he, he says he doesn't have the bandwidth to kind of be there for every meeting. And what things about like that. Things like stand daily standups. I mean, at at his level, he's kind of higher above that, so there's probably some level of that lower than him. But he was just kind of talking about how he uses. Um, or attempts to try to get data through other means, you know, and what metrics are important at that level. So it's 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 less about kind of being the manager or the supervisor of a, of a particular team that's managing certain pieces of software technology, and more kind of what the kind of reducing the amount of noise coming from from all those different areas as a VP and trying to reduce it down to something that makes sense. So the things he's trying to look for is like you know, are we going to be on track with what we're De- delivering and things like that um using burn up charts versus burn down charts to kind of gauge you know scope and understand where your scope is coming from and how it's expanding burn up charts yeah interesting um and just just different things like that i thought it was an interesting conversation so yeah. i thought i'd mention it as a listen
1: yeah been, it seems like i've heard about that podcast but maybe not because there's always this like you know something interrupted. Where did that come from?
0: The movie girl interrupted? Oh, I have no idea. I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> Maybe, that sounds familiar. Um but anyways, moving on from that, uh there was this one post this guy uh, I don't remember I don't know his name. What is his name? Anyways, the title of his article is Afro- aphoristic noodling. Oh. Um but he kind of put on put out a list. He he read a blog post from someone else who talked about um everything is balder Bjarnason. Did I say that right? I think so. Um, he's Icelandic. I guess that makes sense with the name. Uh, some of the things he learned about web development. But then he kind of broke it down and took lessons about, you know, just kind of writing what you're just putting a bullet point list of the things that that you do as a developer, things that you're conscious of as a developer. And I thought it was a pretty good list. So I thought I'd go through the list. Okay. Uh, so the first thing he put on this list is caching is hard to think about and breaks often. Caching. Caching. You look like you were going to say something. Sorry, I mean, parts, <laughs> there's parts of caching that are your brain's short-circuited right. when I said caching. I feel, like I, saw the a, twitching. I
1: feel like as a user of caches, though, I feel like I don't know. And at some point, on big systems, you really have to tune them. Then it's all, you know. Then it, the whole cache invalidation and eviction gets can get tricky. But theoretically, they should be easy to use. You know, I don't like caching. <laughs>
0: I really don't.
1: Well, it's it's absolutely required. I get for, it. you know, if you, unless you're at a very small scale, I get um, it. Yeah, but because yeah, I mean, it's it's another tool that has problems, <laughs> and so you have to be getting more value out of it than the problems it's causing.
0: <laughs> so I think there's a there's a tendency to kind of lean on it hard in 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 areas where you should be kind of improving performance. Do you use uh, um what Salesforce's thing? Is it platform cache?
1: I think so. cache? do you yeah. use that much.
0: Um, no. Never.
1: No, hmm. oh, never. Never. Interesting. It's it's actually one way to try to avoid uh, limits. Like query limits
0: and things if you cache things. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great, but a lot of the things I'm, I'm working with rely so much on real-time data yeah. and, and the changes, therefore, in that I just, I can't. I can't ever hope to to cache it somewhere and, yeah. and think that things going to be right because the moment it's not, I'm going to get a bug report that something's not working and I have and just trying to figure out where it's not working is a pain. Yeah. So, um, cleverness in code is generally a sign of danger. Yeah. I think I'm victim of that a lot, um, where I think I'm being really clever or I think I'm having I have the right hierarchy or the right. Uh, um, interfaces and things like that that'll make this easier. And then I get down to the bottom of it and I realize, crap, I over-engineered this and it breaks if I do X, Y, Z. And the other thing that I think is really popular
1: um, with certain types of developers is making something extremely terse mm. when, you know, oh, look at look at what I'm, oh, I'm doing on, on this, you know, this one line or this three lines of code is doing all these things. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that that is cool. I get it. Like, yeah. I I get how that's that was fun to like you did. You cram so much functionality in like three lines, but it's going to be way easier to read and maintain. Don't look particularly at by other people. If you just split this up into like, you know, nine lines.
0: Yeah, don't look at my JavaScript. Yeah. I use the hell out of some ES6 filters and finds and maps.
1: Oh, that's fine. I think that's that's fine. That's um you know kind of just the more functional
0: style that most of these languages have, have added nowadays. But the uh, IDs are getting better. They're getting better at kind of warning you when you're kinda of doing too much. They'll be like, Hey, you've got two or three nested loops in here. Why don't you do mm, something about that? Yeah. So Perl uh, was the worst
1: as far as the the terse code nerds. Mm-hmm. The pearl nerds, yeah, they were. Uh, well, well, what do they say about pearl? It's um, it's it, it's write-only code, you know? uh, write only code. So write once the, code. Yeah, no, just like right It's write only. Like you can't read it. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, the next one is business ruins everything. Yeah, I think I subscribe to that. We also wouldn't exist without it. Unfortunately, can't live with it, can't live without it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some forms of interoperability. Interoperability are a trap. You can probably resonate with that one quite get, a bit, Mister Integration. Some forms of
1: interoperability are a trap.
0: Yeah. Does he give any examples? No. These are these are just meant to be kind of the quick things off the top of your head of, of things you've learned and things like that. I mean, just that that rings as somewhat true. I'm just trying to
1: think of an, ex- of an example of interoperability.
0: You know, systems you think that have to communicate that don't really need to communicate. Yeah. Or systems that and there's, there's a lot of that in the Salesforce world where they, they don't either, they either a, don't trust their users or they're just trying to reduce the amount of work they have. But in doing so, they're actually creating more work in terms of um, trying to keep that data integrity in place. Yeah. Um, just because they want someone to do everything from Salesforce. Like yeah. their mantra is they only live in Salesforce and they never go anywhere else. So then you have all these issues of trying to get data collected, data synchronized and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Aren't limited to bad people. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's definitely- good people aren't limited to good ideas. No, that's very true as well. <laughs> and aesthetic is not an ethic. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know about that. How so? I'm curious. Um,
1: I mean, I just think aesthetics are important.
0: They can be important, but they can't – I guess the point he's trying to make is it's not not an ethical thing. It's not like – I mean – I mean, you can make something look great but function like crap. Yes, but when you – Or even I have written code in ways that are aesthetic to my eye that have nothing to do with the way it's read, written, or – or functions. Oh, you do that a lot. I do that a lot. I'll change variable names so that they line up. Yeah, and the way sometimes. you
1: like you you create all these like um comments to to, to label all your different
0: sections of code yeah. and all that stuff. I love um, it. It looks mm-hmm. great to me. It makes me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I I just don't like comments that that tell me what I can clearly see already. Um,
0: because then yeah we've talked about commenting before um well, I don't comment to just comment I, I do use that as as an outline, like I structurally want my code file to exist in a certain way. I want all my properties in one section I want my public methods in one section. I want all my and that's a good
1: practice private and yeah. so
0: I just mm-hmm. label that because it's easier for me to jump to that and say, okay here's where I'm putting a new public method or here's where I'm putting a new private method
1: yeah now i just i haven't gotten, I just personally don't want the noise of of all those comments, but I see what you're saying yeah it's it's one line, yeah. but I get it. Well, but it's no one. It's one line for every section of things.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Even if I just have one property, there's a comment. I know, I know, there is, John, (laughs) senior (laughs)
1: code. (laughs) I was going to say something that. Oh, so I get what you're saying. Um, You can certainly have something that uh, the aesthetics appear to be beautiful, but it's garbage or whatever. I'm more concerned about the opposite. Someone has really built something really valuable that, that scratches the right edge and has a ton of opportunity, but the aesthetics aren't right. And so it just doesn't get, it doesn't get its opportunity. Mm -hmm. And this could be some, this could be a command line tool. This could be a web app or a desktop app. Um, I mean the, the ACLI, right. A command line interface, um, is an interface it is a user interface and it's it's really important that it's designed well i mean especially if it's a if it's a decent size tool that is you know you expect to have a lot of usage i mean um having the right aesthetics i mean how the i mean look at just how big sfdx is um yeah you know how you break up all the commands and how you um define what the parameters are and how consistent are those parameters across the different commands? Are they named differently for the, do you have, do you have multiple things for the same concept? All this, all this stuff, um, are your commands too fine grained? Are they not, are they too coarse grained? I mean, there's just like all the stuff that goes into the aesthetics of how you use this thing. And they're just incredibly important. Important. Like I said, you could have great functionality that just never is going to see the light of day because it just sucks to use.
0: Yeah. So I kind of think aesthetics are an ethic. I say a you major point. Okay. I agree. All right. Uh, the next one I disagree with. The customer is usually wrong. And I would change that to say the customer is usually uneducated. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I mean, because
1: it's it's never all, it's never black or white. It's like, no, the customer's not, they're not completely
0: wrong, but they're also not completely right. They're never all one or the other. I think more than more likely is that so they don't know how to ask for what they yes, need. Yes, Right. They don't, they don't know the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. They don't have the they don't have the right um, framing of their problem,
1: framing of the, you know, mental mm-hmm. framing of the problem, mental framing of the solution. Yeah. You know, they they tend to they've got some business problem and they, you know, what they have framed or like mentally modeled in their mind about how the what how to solve this thing, which they usually always have done, mm-hmm. is I won't say I'm not going to say wrong. I mean, in my opinion, oftentimes people were wrong about that, but it's just certainly not as as the hired professionals, what you would recommend and what you're recommending. And so it, it, takes, a, it takes a lot of energy to undo all that um, pre, preconceived notion.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, I want to choke so bad. Right, choke. This next This That's, next set, I think, is going to be pretty, personal. pretty fun. <clears throat> um, so this is if it's written in, there's a series of bullets after this. If it's written in C, it will work, but I should remember there's a buffer overflow or something. Uh, if it's PHP, it will probably work, but there's a SQL injection folder somewhere, and the cool kids will be shitty about it being PHP. Yeah. <laughs> if it's Python, 50 50 whether it will barf stack traces into my terminal for non obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it's Ruby, decent chance I'll wind up reading the source code and cursing at clever Ruby programmers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's Haskell, it works, but I'm not smart enough to understand it. Uh, if it's Rust, probably works if they finish writing it. I'm not smart enough to understand the code. Uh, if it's Go, total crapshooting. But either way, I bet the CLI has a bunch of infuriating nested commands. Uh, if it's JavaScript, life is too short to deal with whatever package management and runtime I'm supposed to use for now. Yeah, yeah, amen to that. And if it's Java, if I have to find out it's Java, I'm probably in trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I can relate to, I think, most of those.
0: Um. The rest of them are, they're, they're, they kind of go on and on, but those were the ones that I was interested in because they were kind of quick and snappy. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do you want to pivot to?
1: I mean, I had some other things. Um, did you see this? It's got a lot of traction. I don't know where it was Reddit or Hacker News. But dry, and I've, because I've, you know, it's one of these things I've actually thought about more recently is, and in in the title is Why Dry is the Most Overrated Programming Principle.
0: What is dry again? Uh, don't
1: Do repeat, repeat yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah, don't repeat yourself. Now, so what's weird is I agree with this. It's pr- I, yeah. See, over. Okay, I don't agree with the term overrated. I would say overapplied. It's the most probably overapplied programming principle. Um. So yeah, dry is don't repeat yourself, and just the general idea for people who aren't familiar with it is, um, you know, let so say you have, um you know, a few different like functions in just in your application. Um, And, uh, you know, certain portions of them that are, they're all, that all do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of a smell. You're like, well, these, I got these two different functions and, you know, the bottom, let's just say the bottom half of both of them are actually doing the exact same thing. So, you know, your typical instinct would be, well, let's create a, a third function that just does that, one part and the other two can just call it and reuse it um but i (laughs) think it's funny because i i push back on a lot of times just with myself on like abstracting that stuff sometimes because and this guy really nailed it i don't think i'd ever put this into words really well but the number one thing is dry is misused to eliminate coincidental repetition yeah sometimes they things they might you know part of something might look the same as the other but is it is that because they're really doing the same thing or but they or because it's just it happens to be coincidence and as the system evolves those things are going to no longer be the same thing and he he gives examples of why that's the case like you know okay sure if you think that's you're repeating yourself and you abstract it well next thing you know turns out those two different you know users of that code Mm -hmm. whatever um clients um turns out they they need to do different things they just for a while they happen to look like the same
0: thing but they're no longer anymore now that you've dug deeper right i actually see that a lot in my code these days because the um i don't know if it's illuminate cloud or what but either way i'm starting to get a lot more inspection results Mm -hmm. and um lately in the last few months or so i've been getting a lot of kind of duplicate duplicate code inspection results yeah yeah and um and sometimes it's helpful sometimes i'm like yeah i could abstract that away other times i'm like they look exactly the same because i name things the exact same way and they follow the same flow but they're actually two parts of different two different parts of code that are i don't want to to tie them together at all yeah or if you know
1: they're going to diverge you're like oh yeah i'm not done yet that's why they look the same but these are going to diverge
0: it is a bit annoying to see the kind of the little light bulb that says hey this is duplicate (laughs) um I, i i I do see this this very much where it's just it just happens to look the same. Yep. Because it just that's just the way I write code or that's just the way I name things. Um, but they're actually doing two they're serving two different uh modules. Yep. And so the number 2
1: item on here it's really like – so it's let's say you've you've identified duplicate code or what you think is duplicate code and so you abstract it. Well now you've created a you know a, a new depends. interface here. Yeah. And it's got it's got it's going to have its um you know, it's parameters or its dependencies or whatever. So now you have to design that, mm-hmm. and so that brings us to point number two, which is dry creates a presumption of reusability. Mm-hmm. And you know, I won't go into it. But it gives a, a pretty nice example of of how um, you know, unless they really are the same thing, they're not going to be reusable in the way that you probably think they are initially.
0: Yeah, the fallacy of that common library, that global library. I did that once with a big project. And we've all done that many times, right? And it it just never panned out. You have this great idea, like all these things, all these utility methods and things that you're going to stick in one place and reuse everywhere. It just never pans out. The usage ends up changing somewhat, so you end up overloading methods, trying to accommodate it and things like that. It just... And that's why when, you know, at my um, grizzled age
1: like when i see a well designed library it's just, it's it's a thing of beauty yeah and and you you really kind of have an appreciation for how much someone thought about that it reminds me of actually a uh, you, you know the, the uh, trumpet player uh Miles Davis mhm so he's kind of famous for these uh, solos that would have in some cases more silence than notes um and you know i think one of the things he, he said or people said about him was that it's not about the notes you play it's about the notes you don't play but he also uh he was interviewed once uh this is this might be like apocryphal but um someone was like you know that's um you know the solo that you've got on i don't know if it was like it was a performance i think it was i think they were asking him about a um a recording it's like that solo was um you know I didn't quite get it. You know, it just seems like it seemed like it was, uh, whatever there, there was too much, too much silence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, he's like, I I just didn't understand it. And and Miles's response was, well, I've been thinking about that solo for 10 years. So
0: I wouldn't expect
1: you to understand it
0: right now. (laughs) I kind of feel that way about modern movies and stuff. Like, if I watch an old show or an old movie, one thing I've noticed, and I I like, this is what I term it as, is they let the moment breathe. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's silence. Yeah. You know, someone delivers a line and there's silence. If you look at a lot of things today, especially on these streaming services, they're just so fast paced. Someone talks, someone oh, talks, yeah. Yeah. and someone responds, someone responds, it's the, it's the and tic- they move on to the next thing. It's the TikTokification of things. Yeah, it's just everything's so fast paced. Yeah. There's no breathing in the moment. There's no tension. Um, well, how do you feel about those podcast players that strip out the some? I think are what are meaningful
1: kind of natural silences and pauses between sentences and words and people's thoughts.
0: I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I know we, str- we, st- we early on, we tried to reduce that. And I think we did have some cases where we kind of removed some of the long pauses, um, just to kind of keep things Oh, manually. Yeah. Just in yeah. post. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, um, I, I, you know, I'm a fan of the long pause. I'm a fan of that. Um, I think you miss, I think there's information in these pauses. And there's some great m- speech or, or not speeches, Uh, what do you call them? Orators. Orators. Okay. People who yeah. give speeches. Yeah. Okay. Um, that are really great at that long pause. They know how to say something and pause, and and give that that statement moment to breathe. Um, I think Obama was great at that. Yeah, Obama was great. Yeah. Um, for like maybe Reagan was good. Clinton yeah. was good. And to me, if we're talking about presidents, but yeah. Yeah. So I think I think pauses can be just as important as as saying something. Yeah. And I think that's true for code too. I think. I think a function is a conversation that you're having. When you're reading a paragraph of code and you have those different functions, I've always treated them like they were conversations. I've always, that's why I outline my code of things I want the code to do, things I want it to say. And if something's not important to the conversation, I move that out into a function because it's not important to that conversation. But if you want to know more details about that, you can drive into that function. And I think with these libraries, these common libraries, you can do the same thing, just have very, very short, um, things that just do something. Uh, single single what is the word single responsibility principle single, yeah okay. yeah that and that it just does what it does it's not this long-winded function that does a bunch of stuff it's all this magic and then it comes back to you that's mm-hmm. um, just the firehose mode of functions i think these yeah. these type of environments need something small and quick
1: anyway so his last thing is uh dry is a gateway drug to unnecessary
0: complexity um, yeah, if you're trying to abstract away all your kind of redundant code, you end up kind well, of bloating it. And and
1: uh, I'll, 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 there's this one part I think that sums this up right. He, he he kind of goes through and talks about all the different you know ways that you you can abstract you know, to get based on his previous examples to to get the right, res, you know, a better result. And all that. he's like, yeah, that's that's all true. He said, Actually, he says, all these ideas are great. But remember that the fundamental goal here was just to send a post request with a single JSON object. That's a very, very simple thing to do. But now we're talking about all kinds of fancy programming stuff to sol- try to solve problems that only exist because we don't want to repeat the same six line snippet in a handful of different places because dry tells us that's bad.
0: Yeah. That kind, of, that kind of goes back to when I first started learning how to program and how I could produce stuff pretty quickly because I was so focused on just the end result. I would write code. It might even be one function that did X, Y, Z, and I could run it and see the output. Yeah. And I was happy. Mm-hmm. I got that instant gratification. But now, if I was to do that same thing, I'm worried about maintainability. I'm worried about... um. Dry, I'm worried about all these different things that that come after the fact, and I'm not focused on the on the end result anymore. I'm focused on all the in between and even even fourth dimensionally the stuff I might have to deal with later yeah that that gets
1: that's all the what are, you know kind of like non functional requirements or just all the all the um the illities you know like that is this like maintainable and like mm-hmm. is it comprehensible um yeah. is it testable?
0: Is it deployable? These are all important Some of These it's, all important some of it's simple, just ego. If someone reads this code, what are they going to think of me as a developer? That's true. Yeah. A lot of it is ego for me. The aesthetic of my code is ego. That's why you, you leave your signature. You're like you're like the Banksy of programming. Like you can just <laughs> leave your market. You can, it's, like, it's so obvious it's John code. <laughs> if I could whip out a pen and sign it, every class I would. You should. With a signature. Yeah. You should, should no, you should
1: invent that. No, you should. You should come up with an ASCII art version of your of your signature and mm-hmm. just sign every line of every uh, every class, class file. Code, or whatever, yeah, every every file. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. You remember? Those, that reminds me of uh, back in the day when the way people like would version stuff is they would. Uh, like the, there'd be like a header at the top of every file that would be like last oh, modified by the person and last modified date and, I hate those and, and, even, and even a version history in yeah. the in the file i mean i still see that all the time yeah. i see it a lot in systems that have like um large amounts of like stored procedures like data, like oracle databases sql mm-hmm. server databases they did a lot of that stuff because they didn't they didn't version their code they didn't have a version they didn't use a version control system yeah.
0: Yeah. Seeing it today means there's something wrong because there's other ways to, to <laughs> yes. gather that information or store that information. There's better tools for this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, some of us were so old school. We just always done it that way, and that's the way we're going to do it. I never did that. I never did that because
1: when I was a professional developer, there was at, le- at least, um, was it CVS? CVS was kind of the was already existed i believe when I, when i started like programming professionally what was the one that came after that Ma- subversion. Subversion. subversion yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so much better
0: anyways but- i meant that statement generally i mean there are things you do as a programmer out of habit out of i mean there's probably no reason to do it anymore like uh, i had to break myself of this habit but there i always declared my variables at the top of every at the top of any scope I was in and I ordered them by type That's and that was because I was trying to in my head I read somewhere that that helps the compiler and it helps memory management because the blocks and everything will be in sequence they won't be split up at some point in some languages that was true yeah (laughs) but it was in my head and that's the way I did things for the longest time and so you would never see me declare a variable in other than the top of the scope well here's a john quiz then
1: why is, that, why is that not a good idea nowadays? Because compilers do it for you. No, why is it not a good idea to like to? Well, they don't necessarily do it for you, unless you're...
0: They don't... Everything we do is VM like why, now, so... Yeah, but why... They all have their own memory management and garbage collection. My question collection is, why, would, why, do you, why, why not just declare all your variables at the top of the thing? Well, even with IDEs, it doesn't really matter where you put them anymore. You can always kind of figure out their scope and what they are Yeah, well, and their data
1: type. The answer I'm looking for is that you actually want the scope of anything, a variable, especially variables, especially to local variables, closest words to use. be as, as yeah, yeah, you want that scope to be as small as possible. Yeah. Because well, actually one benefit of having small scope is you can have shorter variable names. The bigger the scope, the more descriptive your, your naming needs to be. The longer names. And the more you can reuse variable names as well think of you know think of like apex classes as an example just to pick on apex which is you know one of my favorite pastimes um there's just one big scope you don't have namespaces packages i mean i know there's this kind of packages but still it's really just one big namespace and so apex classes especially if you have a big org Mm -hmm. they need to be long and descriptive yeah you can't just have a class called iterator no it needs to be my thingy for this project iterator or you know whatever you know it's like got to be very specific because you probably if you in a big code base you probably have you know dozens of different iterators for things or i'm just picking on an iterator but whatever you know yeah um so you have to be very specific about what it is because it's not it's not buried into a specific package where that where that thing lives it's just with everything else yeah well john i know we've got some other topics but we're also running long
0: yeah no, the topics are probably not funny anyways. I was going to pick on Salesforce's climate change initiatives and in the way this article was written because it contradicted itself. But let's move on. Let's end it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm still – like I told you, man, we, we – I stayed out way too late. I'm way too old to stay out as late as I stayed out last night. So I'm uh, I'm feeling it today. Not going to make it to the gym today. It's one of those days. But you'll make it to the keg. I will make it to the keg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, John, it's been good catching up with you. It's been a while. How long. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. We're on the road to uh, 300. We got, what is this? 294? So we have six more and mm-hmm. we 300. We'll have to like, I don't know, plan something. Fireworks. Yeah. Are you, is anyone doing a dream for us? I guess so. I just, it's weird. People are submitting their topics and everything. I'm like, oh, how can you submit topics when you don't even know if, they haven't even announced what the policy is going to be for no, getting they are,
0: in? They've announced it. Oh, what is it? Yeah. They're, it's going to be a full event. Not capped, not capped. Well, where, where did all everyone say no? I, I, I sold thirty. I think it was just thirty thousand. I, I, I caught this on passing, but I, it was there was it was published that it was announced. I think at the some New York event that Dreamforce was going to be full capacity. Um, the, and registration hasn't opened, hasn't. I don't know. I hope not. I'm not going, so I haven't been. Okay. I haven't been
1: keeping tabs yeah, on I, it. I signed up to get notified about registration. So let's see, Dreamforce.
0: So it's wide open, huh? That's crazy. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's why everyone's. I'm just well, like, double check me on that. I just read this in passing of what I heard, but my, my assumption is that it's going to be full capacity. Registration goes live in July. So this month sometime.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, dear listener, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us in your podcast player. We don't ever ask for that, do we? No it it's actually when when i hear people say that it's like who doesn't subscribe who manually just goes like navigates to some podcast in their player and just plays one episode at a time who does that i don't know i could probably check the stats does it show that i think it shows okay. like
0: direct plays versus oh versus subscribe like apple yeah. or or whatever player you're using yeah anyway for those of you
1: who just do that that's weird you should subscribe <laughs> <laughs> um God, I've forgotten all the things. What are our closing things? Um, yeah, the, the things no one. does. Oh, we have an email Share address. Us, you can yeah, yeah. send us. Um,
0: uh, have you sent stickers? Sticker
1: request? I know I haven't because I haven't got any requests. No, oh, the buffer's not full yet. It's huh? not full. Yeah, I haven't. I don't I haven't flushed the buffer yet. Yeah. But yeah, we have lots of stickers. So if you want Good Day Sir stickers for your your laptop or the stop sign or your local bar or whatever, just send us an email at info at gooddaysirpodcast and. We can send them out to you. Uh, what else, John? My brain is not working. No, I should just send it.
0: That's true. We can no, send it. No one does the liking or sharing reviews anymore. Let's just cut that part. Yeah, out. yeah. It. We are what we are, and this is pretty what it much is. yeah. We, we've we've <laughs> certainly peaked. Yeah, well, we're, I think uh, we've We're peaked. on our we're on yeah. our uh, steady decline now. Yeah. So we're just managing the decline. Uh, yeah, we are. We're managing <laughs> the decline. <laughs> well, there's the title right there. Yeah. Since we don't have any titles. No. Yeah. Well, and to that, I said, good day, sir. Oh, you weren't ready. You get nothing! I was too. You lose! Good
1: day, sir!